Is this mic turned on? Wax poetic. Hi, kids. I'm a dinosaur hunter BMX rider. All the little girls dream of one day biting into a corn dog and smiling at the camera. If I ran the web, you could email dead people. Wax poetic. And I don't give a moment's focus to who does or doesn't like the sound of my voice. In the terrarium is herpes. Herpes is a hermit crab. Just say no to family values. This is Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what if I write a poem like a song? Good afternoon and a welcome once again to Wax Poetic here on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. I'm one of your hosts this afternoon, R.C. Weslowski. And I'm your other host, Pamela Bentley. And we have in studio with us, sort of almost all the way from Saskatoon, but you're living here now, but kind of via Saskatoon. More or less, more I, or less. Isaac Bond is our guest today. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. So nice to have you. Uh, so we'd like to get our guest to kick the show off with a poem, so let's get you to do that. Sure thing. What if... Every morning you took a meteor shower before you put on your asteroid belt. <laughs> Would you stretch your spiral arms as you go on your Milky Way? In a place where countertop horizons need stardusting and fringe planets house deep freezes in the orbits of dead preserved stars, enough to feed a family of fantasies. If the entire universe had plumbing, don't forget to flush black holes down quasar drains. Know that supergiant plungers may force them down, but supernova gases won't back them up. Just pulsating farts in the space-time continuum. The metronome radiating light years through the living room window observatory. The tension of the dreams passed out on the couch stuck in this horse-headed nebula neurosis. A mare in the night. An undiscovered galaxy in the constellation of Pegasus. Have you ever wanted to sing a centaur to sleep, then ride a unicorn into the moonlight, becoming siblings with the semblance of connected dot gods? The twin brothers share bunk beds and take turns being brave in the dark in a total binary eclipse. The Siamese sisters somehow sleep separately on opposite sides of the solar system. Mother matter and father forever set the alarm for sunrise on solstice. Sometimes I wonder... If an entire universe was inside of me, would I finally feel infinite? Would it be more intimidating or intimate? When the great ball of light that sets our table of elements fulfills itself, where will we find food? When the bulb ultimately burns out, can we ever truly replace it? We keep consuming and recycling ourselves, soaking our hope for survival in the ocean, oil of earth, thirsty for life in other places as congealed drops of water evaporate. But in the night sky, there are floodgates of oasis, spills of light looking through the other ends of our telescopes, our magnified eyes, equal spectacle to Hubble's finest images as seen through its cosmic corrective monocle. So wear your setting sunglasses with pride. I see a universe in you, and so does the universe vast in the image of our human experience. 
Ooh, trippy. Whoa, man. Whoa. The stars in my mind now. Yeah. That was a great wordplay. Thanks. Yeah. That, I uh, Usually when I perform that one at shows, I like to preface it by telling a story about how um, I was about four years into my English degree and I was taking a minor in astronomy and I was in my astronomy professor's office asking about my requirements that I needed to, to finish the degree. And, uh, and he says kind of as he's looking over the courses in this book and he's like, well, depending on what you want to do with this degree. And then he stops, looks up at me and like after a, a very deliberate pause goes, and I don't know what you're planning to do with this degree. <laughs> you know, like the one person that I thought would have my back on being a humanities student, doing a minor in astronomy. And he was just like, I don't really know why you're here. <laughs> so, so I said, well, that poem justifies taking taking right. the minor in astronomy. So, did you write it right after that meeting? Send I it didn't. To him? No, have you ever I, sent it to I, him? No, I haven't sent it to him. Maybe I should. I wrote it like two years later and remembered it, and I was like, see, there was a reason. I knew there was a reason. <laughs> what did he finally uh, decide? What did he finally counsel you to take? Or oh, I did mean, you guys we, just went, we figured out like I wanted to take some classes without having to take the math prerequisites and stuff like that. So it was it was boring academic stuff like that. Um, but you know the the thing that I I find a lot of value in and and having had taken that in school, what I find really interesting about astronomy is everybody has this kind of baseline curiosity about astronomy. Of course, and there's actually a lot of. Um, there's a lot of like really complex ideas in the science that um, just explaining sort of qualitatively the theory is really accessible. So I've had a lot of just kind of like random conversations with people and, and just like all of a sudden it gets into astronomy and you can start explaining all these things that are seemingly like, you know, rocket science, but they're not. And then when people like understand that mm -hmm. they can understand them, they're that much more curious. And I always find that really fascinating, you know, just like it just piques that innate human curiosity. Well, and then they probably remember those conversations. So that's probably the answer to that question. That is what you've done with yeah, that yeah, degree. There you go. There you if go. You've, it has you've, value. You've, you've uh, <laughs> demonstrated that last line about the university uh, and yeah. The, yeah. well it certainly has a usefulness for poets there's lots of poets <laughs> like to reference the stars and the various uh, um, what you mean, deities and, uh, and, and signs and kind all that sort of stuff constellations and, yeah. yeah but they often yeah. don't let science get in the way that's true <laughs> yeah that's good I took an astronomy course when I was doing my English degree as well I didn't do a minor but I did an astronomy course because I had to do a science credit it was mm -hmm. my favorite yeah there's there's a lot of really neat things and um, I think the uh, the history of astronomy uh, really clearly illustrates uh, the necessity of humility for humans. You know, it, it being the oldest science, and when when it first began, we sort of had this like very clear cut notion about this is exactly the way the universe is. We know everything, and then as time has gone on, and we've really acquired so much more information, all of our understanding has gone towards this notion that we don't know anything. You know, mm -hmm. we're completely clueless. We like we barely have any information, um, and so it's just kind of neat how, in the evolution of of our, one of our oldest scientific understandings, there's been that really necessary humility that otherwise the without it there's no credibility to the understanding. Was yeah. was um, astronomy before mathematics, or is mathematics considered a science, or is that just considered a totally different thing? That's a good question. Um, I would imagine mathematics is older, but wouldn't necessarily be considered a science. I mean, at least academically. Mm -hmm. um, so when I was taught it academically as the oldest science, um, they probably wouldn't have considered math. 
um, because I mean, I, I math is not totally my own thing. Is, yeah, yeah. This is a weird, um, a weird trivia. I know like four or five people who have astrophysics degrees. Oh, wow. yeah. But then they mostly do math work or they work as engineers. And yeah. it, and it's weird to me that as a very artsy person that I know, <laughs> but they explain it to you like it's the same wanting to know how things work instead of metaphors. It's the math and the science of it. But it's still the same, like wanting to get to truth, wanting to get to what makes things. Yeah. And, and there's still a lot of... Um there's still a lot of creativity involved. I think one of the things I really loved about my astronomy labs that I didn't get in other science labs, um, when I was taking physics labs, like we would run experiments that had been done a million times to demonstrate this is how this physicist discovered this principle. Whereas when we did astronomy labs, we'd go on computers and like play with simulators that would allow us to like create different binary systems of like what two different objects would look like rotating around each other and you would change the parameters and um, you know, there'd just be a whole lot more creative um, access to, to building and understanding. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You mentioned the, um, the constellations and you mentioned the ones that we know, right? But then every culture yeah. looks up at those stars and makes sense of the shapes in different ways, right? And mm -hmm. doesn't see the same stories or shapes in those stars. Here mm -hmm. I am. How does that look on the radio? Uh, <laughs> I'm waving my hands around. You were Crystal talking about that clear before. clear radio yeah. diagram. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. That, that to me, because it shows the stories of a culture when you hear, like, what other people have seen from the way you've grown up. Yeah, totally. And especially since... Um, it, for for so many cultures, uh, the stars have provided in some way or another uh, a means of navigation. Mm -hmm. um, and so people would literally look to the sky for direction. Um, so, of course, it's not a far stretch that people try to divine the future from mm -hmm. the stars because you look to the sky for direction. Mm -hmm. Of course, a lot of astronomers kind of scoff at that notion, but culturally it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, and they repeat themselves. I mean, the star, they, yeah. you know, they go around year after year after year, and so there's always some sort of, you know, that's you impose a story on that to try and make your world make sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You said that you when you do this in shows, so you are largely a performance poet. Yeah. For people who don't know your work. Um, how long have you been doing this? Uh, where does that poem fall in the, the chronology of your work? Just sort of so, I mean, technically I've been doing this since I was in high school. Um, when I, I was actually just met a friend um, from high school last night that I hadn't seen in over a decade. And she, was, she reminded me that, like, oh, yeah, you were doing that in high school. You were, like, the only <laughs> person in our high school doing that. And I was like, I guess I was. Um, but then I, I didn't do it for a while when I was in university. I was very, um, while I was in school, I, I really stuck to myself and did a lot of writing in my notebooks. And um, I'd heard about Tinnitus Poetry, the, the performance series in, in Saskatoon, but I hadn't actually gone until I, I finished school. Um, and then I just went to the show one night and, and just, yeah, the, uh, the feedback from the audience was a really electric feeling. And, and I just... Uh, I really love that sense of, of being amongst other writers and, and sharing a stage space with writers. And I just wasn't used to that sense of, like, other people are doing this too. And mm -hmm. so um, once once I sort of got a, a, a feeling for that, I, I really just embraced that and started going to national festivals. Um, the Versus Festival, back when it was, I think, only known as the Canadian Individual Poetry Slam in 2012, was the first festival that, that I went to that was, like, a national festival. 
Um, and yeah, after that, I just kind of like made up my mind that I really wanted to put a lot of energy and work into this. Did that you compete in the? One, oh, did oh, you? Sorry, I'm kind of. That was his first. Go ahead. Loud, yeah. Oh, that's all right. That's all. Yeah, yeah, that was my first one. I love the musing out loud. It is like my primary mode of common, uh, communication. Um, I was going to say, uh, so did you compete in that one? That first one that you went to? Yeah, I did. Yeah. And did um, you love that or? It, it, I mean, it was interesting. I. Um, like I, I, um, I liked being a part of the the group of people that was competing. You know, like mm -hmm. I, um, I didn't, I didn't have a lot of expectations going into it. I mean, I came back the year after and was like, was like, I'm going to try to compete with a little bit more edge. But the first year that I went, I was just like, I'm going to go do my thing. Um, but I, at the kind of work that I was doing at the time. It, became pretty clear to me pretty quickly that with the audiences that were here I was like well I probably don't have much of a shot but here goes wow. <laughs> I'll say more about that what were you doing that didn't um I don't know I, I was doing things in like a, like most of my stuff was very like hip-hop style at that time okay and I mean in the slam community just generally hip-hop doesn't do that well on on a slam stage generally speaking and and more so when when you're a white person which is probably as it should be you know that's 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 fair well let's hear something else um how about something hip-hoppy okay. <laughs> i thought that would be a good lead-in but I didn't, want, just got there. I didn't want to direct it <laughs> all right sometimes you hear the heart beats sometimes it beats you down sometimes it makes you want to party tap your feet and beat the ground Sometimes the beat is loud. Sometimes the beat is quiet. Sometimes the beat is dull. Sometimes the beat is vibrant. The beat is fast. The beat is slow. The beat is catchy. The beat is broken. Catch the beat. Hold the beat. Fetch me the beat. Open the beat. Sometimes the beat is sexy. Sometimes the beat is potent. The beats are in the recipe for your Magnus Freedom Opus. Ecstasy cannot be everything. The beat needs a process. Resembling empathy, energy, the heat of the moment. Steadily emptying entropy, a leak in the focus. Tethering, trembling revelry, a fleeting hypnosis. Break the beat. Ride the beat, make the beat, find the beat, don't waste the beat, hide the beat, chase the beat, or blind the beat, rewind the beat and lace it, quit trying to be so basic, time to redefine the matrix, to wide awaken, to find a way through the vibes oasis, beat, 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 trying to be discreet, but when the beep, a beep, seep to flee the scene, freaking shriek at the peak of the dream, creaky sleep trying to sneak through the scheme, we can speak to the crease of the seam that feeds the need to release and scream, the beast is feasted while the beats be teething with a sleek technique that can deke the demons while we reap the reason of a rhyming season, sleek and lean, aligned and leaning, deep supreme, primal breathing, streaking streams in stride of healing, the beacon beams with adhesive sheen, beat the preen of the beats no gleam, greasy clean with a freak routine, like greens and leaves when you eat poutine, Sup your sleeve to keep moving, weed between these see-through schemes, see the reach to lead through grievance, be the breach that sweeps through fiends. <gasps> The big bad beat come to blow the house with a zigzag beak in the flow of the mouth. Early bird catching dirty worms. Tic-tac tweet as they going in and out. Whirling dervish with sterling flourish. Trick track treat keep going around. Twirling furvish word to the earth. Sit back in your seat. Hold your ground. Ground. <laughs> the beat. Grind. <laughs> the beat grace the beat guide the beat 
I found the beat, praise the beat, shake the beat, shine the beat. The beat is now. Um, the beat is off. <laughs> the beat surrounds. The beat drops the beat to be the beat that never stops. Sometimes the beat echoes, sometimes the beat stumbles. The beat is in the temple of hunger that keeps you humble. The beat is in the jungle, the beat is in the junkyard. The beat is what your lungs hold when your heart pumps hard. Live the beat, love the beat, give the beat, hug the beat. The beat's within, the beat is us. The beat is just trust the beat. Isaac Bond is our guest today on Vancouver Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5. You're listening to Wax Poetic. And when you're talking about the beat, what are you talking about? The heartbeat, the drum beat, the earth beat, uh, all of it? or In, in that particular uh, piece, that that is like specifically like the hip-hop beat, like a beat that you write a rhyme to, mm. um, is what inspired it. I mean, that, that was probably for me one of the only pieces that I ever wrote as a hip-hop song and stripped away the instrumental and it worked as a spoken word piece um, I, I used to try that a bit early on and it would fe really feel like the piece was missing something when I would perform it a cappella, whereas that piece translated well into its own rhythm away from a beat so I think what was interesting about that is it kind of it started with that kernel of like an instrumental that with that really consistent beat but then it transformed without that to sort of speak to something more essential about what what you say you know in terms of like the heartbeat the circadian rhythms that we have in our day-to-day -day lives just trying to catch the rhythm of the world around us and try to make it make sense without needing to understand everything about it mm -hmm. i think that's kind of what 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 the beat means to me yeah i could i found myself thinking in the middle what music would go with it yeah like that it was it ever a song or did you make it into a song yeah, yeah. so it was a song um and it and that tempo switch that happens early on was was in the original instrumental. Hmm. Um, but I think there's there is a certain point that I wrote it up to, um, and I then I had something different for what I wrote it to instrumentally, and then I took it away on its own thing for the spoken word part. So when mm -hmm. it was all like the big bad beat or like ground <laughs> beat, that that was all like written as a spoken word piece. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. The way you play with your voice and utilize it is is really the sweet thing to listen to. Just as oh it, yeah, know. it's fun. I I I love doing this piece in schools. Mm. Uh, it it really is effective in schools. And if I'm ever like worried about not getting a group's attention, it's it's usually one that I can rely on to make people like, oh, we're interested now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, you can. I could hear and see on the little needles over there that you totally know your way around a mic. You're so comfortable on the mic. I've been in front of them a lot, definitely, through the years. And even when I started performing less on stage, I still did a lot of hosting, and, and I really love hosting. Um, and I've done it for all sorts of different events. And, and um, yeah, I've just kind of learned to, to feel comfortable in front of a microphone, which was, uh, yeah, definitely without spoken word. I don't know if that would be as much the case. Like I said, you know, when I was writing as a student, I really kept to myself, was very nervous about the idea of sharing anything. Um, but once I'd sort of gotten over that and was more active in Saskatoon, community groups would approach me and ask if I could host events. And mm. that's something that I've, I've really loved doing. Like I've hosted burlesque shows, acro yoga shows, uh, literacy fundraisers. And the, the underlying principles are all the same, you know. It's mm -hmm. like you don't, 
it's it's nice and easy as a host because it's not your job to entertain everybody. You just yeah. need to remind them that they should be excited because they're being entertained. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've seen you host and you are an excellent host. So Thank maybe you. we should like put that out there because you've just moved here. Yeah. <laughs> if people need hosts, they can hire you to host oh, yeah, for things. Yeah. I, I you... love to host all kinds of different things. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you doing here uh, now in Vancouver? You just uh, moved within a month or so ago? I just moved within, yeah, I moved at the beginning of November. Um, the, the circumstances that lead me here are kind of odd. I'd been planning to come out here for quite some time, um, but due to some circumstances with family and whatnot, it, I end up, um, I'm going to have to go back to Saskatoon in May. So I'm kind of wintering out here. Um, I, uh, I have been doing support work for the last um, six years or so in Saskatoon. Um, and I really loved my job, but um, I, as I'm sure for anybody that knows anyone doing frontline social work of any kind, uh, it's really exhausting. Uh, a lot of the things that are broken within the system are not changing, and, and there's not a lot you can do it when, when you're on the front lines. You just kind of see the same problems repeat themselves. So I needed mostly a break from that mm -hmm. and just a chance to process because... Um, uh, yeah, I mean, even once I, I stopped uh, doing as much organizing in the spoken word world, I was still working, you know, really long weeks. And, and some of the people that I support um, are just continually in crisis. And, and uh, there just isn't the resources within the system to try something that might get them out of crisis. Mm -hmm. And so we end up kind of banging our head against the same wall that we know isn't working. Um, and so I, I mostly wanted to just kind of get out here, take some space. I've been hiking a lot around the city. Um, lots of good friends out here, and, and my grandma lives out here. Mm. So uh, it's been great to just reconnect with people and connect with new people and uh, and just, you know, do something different because I'd lived in Saskatoon my whole life. And, mm. um, you know, most mostly what brings me out here is just uh, a chance to, to change it experientially and just get a fresh perspective and rejuvenate, recalibrate, and see what's next. Have you had any, uh, what's your dream life like been since you've been here? Um, oh, my, my dreams have been quite, quite varied and quite wild, actually. Um, I can't, I, I, there, there aren't any that immediately come to mind. And uh, I did start keeping a dream journal, actually, um, but kind of got away from it in the last little bit. But um, people that I know are showing up more in my dreams. And I know that's a common thing for most people, but it's not for me. Usually, usually my dreams will have like a lot of different settings. Um, but not a lot of familiar faces. Um, and now, now I'm seeing more familiar faces in my dreams, and it kind of makes me, you know, think about it more in terms of, like, what might the meaning be, whereas mm. um, usually I'm just like, well, that was truly absurd and made no sense at all. Um, there, was, uh, there was one particular dream, um, because when I came out here, I thought I'd, I did want to think more about my dreaming life in terms of I'd love to try to cultivate a practice of, of lucidity, which I know is, is there are like certain things that, that you can do to mm -hmm. try to encourage the lucidity in your dreams. And it's such a fascinating sensation to, to be lucid in a dream. And there was one dream where I, I remember I was, I was hanging off of a cliff, and it was this bridge. And um, I just all of a sudden was hanging off of this cliff and I opened my eyes and I thought, I'm dreaming. <laughs> and then so then it was like I wasn't afraid because right. I knew I wasn't going to die. Right. Right. And so, so then I lifted myself up onto this bridge and then um, there was this like huge castle. And I was like and I was like just like 
super elated at this thought like I can choose <laughs> to go in this castle or not and then I chose to go in this castle but once I went into the castle I lost my lucidity oh. Um, oh. after that I, there was a bunch of weird rooms in the castle and stuff it actually looked almost like a like a an old beat up <laughs> Vancouver apartment, not one of the new condo buildings, or yeah, like yeah. an old, yeah, kind of that that aesthetic to it, and just like a bunch of random stuff in the rooms, and then all of a sudden I was like driving through a big forest, and then wound up like walking this terrain that was in like a old school Nintendo like two dimensional eight bit style of moving, <laughs> and that you know the lucidity was long gone at that point. <laughs> <laughs> now you just become a single player game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we're pretty much out of time, unless we get. Oh, well, what I want. We're going to be out of time, but if we hear one more poem from you, so I yeah, sure. you should hear another poem from you. Yeah, sure. All right. Uh, Beauty is less an image; it is more so imagination, not some picture-perfect pretense of unblemished embellishment. And much like truth is not a theory for everything, beauty is not a snapshot of forever photo finished to be flawless. Far too naked to be fully exposed, beauty is the love that remains when passion is vacant. It is not a drug, nor a game, nor a fashion statement, but beauty is something to say. Something we should say, even as it keeps us caged in cravings for unattainable things. Addictions that flicker like strobe lights, strips peeling off shadows sharp as paper-thin cuts from magazine pages, but beauty is not an image. Beauty is a mage, and we aren't meant to know what magic looks like. Beauty is goodbye in all its grace, without the wave, a sunset, without a silhouette. And many images are beautiful, but none are beauty, truthfully beauty is a comparison that cannot be made, a companion that cannot be kept, and a composition that cannot be finished. It is the wondrous work of art that never satisfies, the consummate code of science that doesn't quite explain, the question begged by every answer wanting more, the lesson embedded in every layer of language. Beauty is not a body. Yet we break ourselves to embody it. Wouldn't it be beautiful if we forgot we look like anything? Hmm. Imagining the shapeless shift from form to phantasm, from frustration to fruition, where the ugliest blemish is as close as it gets to the perfect flaw. Hmm. I love that idea of beauty being not complete because we think of it as like oh this isn't quite beautiful we have to beautify it we have to make it better we have to make it perfect symmetrical and all these things but you're like saying that that's like part of the point yeah like it's it's kind of it's not meant to be something that you can fully embody or encompass yeah, I'm going to think kind about of, that I'm yeah. take that away thank you yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of an abstract guy so I'm like beauty is abstraction <laughs> yeah I can tell you're a thinker <laughs> um, we, I think we have another minute can you you mentioned about doing poems in schools yeah what is that like how do you like do you like doing that I love doing that and um, Vancouver of course has the uh, the wordplay program yeah. and so if um, if people are are educators or no educators and think it might be neat to have a, a spoken word artist come into your school I highly recommend people check out the wordplay program uh, program online. The website, um, if I'm not mistaken, is is 
word you can go to the Vancouver Poetry House website Poets. but I think it's wordplaypoets.ca I think that's right yeah I believe that's their homepage if not you know quick quick google search for wordplay we'll uh, we'll get that up and uh, now is a good time to do it because Hullabaloo Festival is is right around the corner in the spring and you never know if you get a spoken word artist in and in the the early part of 2018 you just might inspire some young people to go out and and take part make a slam team or yeah. something yeah 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 RC, you're very quiet today. <laughs> you've got your you've got your picture taking uh, device now, and and you've. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not even help Indeed. You out there. Indeed. Indeed. I don't know yes, what you're saying. True. Yes, it is true. I was just trying to like uh, invite you to say something. <laughs> what events do you have? <laughs> um, well, there is uh, a Christian's Lyceum, I believe, is this Friday night. And it's their ugly sweater edition. And what does that mean? It means wear an ugly sweater if you're going to be there. Does that be a Christmas sweater? Or it can just be an ugly I sweater. I think they mean it to be an ugly Christmas sweater, but I'm probably, they're probably open. Sure, and any ugly like sweater will do. People can sign up on an open mic there, and it starts at 8 o'clock. And it's it starts at 8.30, and you should sign up online. Actually, they'll put a thing ahead of time that you can do that, and then they'll leave a couple spots open for um, the day of, the night of. What else is going on? Tonight, there's uh, the final uh, UBC Poetry Slam of the semester featuring Leslie Stark, um, and that is at Benny's Bagels in Kitsilano. Also, Cartum's Open Mic in uh, Kits is having their uh, open mic every... They do it every other week and alternating with the one on Main Street. So the one on Main Street's every second Tuesday, and the one in Kits is every second Wednesday. Uh, so the Wednesday one in Kits at Cartum's is this evening as well. Uh, coming up on Sunday, uh, Alan Hill and Jacqueline Carmichael are featuring uh, in Poetry, Poetry New West, 2 o'clock at the Heritage Grill. And uh, Monday at the Poetry Slam, it's you. It's me. I have a chat book that I've published and put together that I'm going to launch there. Because, you know, why not do it at the Slam where you get 100 people guaranteed to be listening to your poetry? So come check out Pam's chat book launch uh, Monday at Cafe de Soleil. So, uh, Isaac, are you performing anywhere in next in a little bit? Um, no, I'm going to be going back to Saskatoon for the holidays. But I'm going to try to come out to the Slam on Monday and, and maybe even participate. So cool. We'll see. And if people want to hire that Malef Lewis voice and um, stellar presence as a host, how do they get a hold of you? Um, you can get a hold of me at IsaacBond at gmail.com. Just I-S-A-A-C-B-O-N-D at gmail.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here and bringing the beats. Oh, no problem. Thank you so much for having me. I'm R.C. Weslowski. And I'm Pam Bentley. This has been Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. No Apologies Necessary is coming up next. You've been listening to Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what? So what? So what? So what? So what?